0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I always enjoy speaking with my next guest, and there's a lot to talk about, and we're going to begin with this story, which is headline news. And that is that the Assembly of First Nations has suspended National Chief Roseanne Archibald. So that's the first question I have for my guest, and we're going to then talk about other issues that remain front and center and significantly important to First Nations and to everybody in this country. I'm glad he's back with us. Our guest is Chief Cadmus DeLorme. He's the Chief of Cowas' First Nation in Saskatchewan. Chief, how are you? Chief DeLorme, how are you?
1: Oh, I'm good afternoon, Roy. A happy Father's Day to all listening and
0: yourself. Yes, indeed. Happy Father's Day to you. Uh, chief um let me start then with with this question the Assembly of First Nations suspending the national chief Roseanne Archibald. what's your reaction to that what's what's your thinking here
1: uh thanks Roy uh, when the AFN succeeds in this country the country as a whole succeeds uh indigenous people this per se first Nations are rights holders in this country there are six hundred and thirty first Nations and and we elect uh, as one vote each a um national representative uh we call them chief they're ultimately you know our advocate uh on on the collective uh, at the moment right now our our elected national chief uh has been suspended and how that works roy is each province and territory has one delegated representative at the afn executive and so to abstain everybody else voted in favor to, to suspend her uh, as of this hour, Roy, it's very fresh to many, including myself. And, um, you know, the, the reasons being is we're still trying to get clarity on it. Uh, as far as we know, the charter, uh, the AFN charter has been followed. And, um, Roy, I, in, the, in the weeks to come, I'm hoping that we could uh, figure something out because the AFN plays a key role not only for myself as a chief, but for all of the country.
0: Now, the a- a- AFN has, uh, certainly in the years that I've been talking about First Nations issues, has been a, a key component, a key um, go-to source for information about First Nations issues. Now, I'll ask you one more question, Chief, and I don't want to put you uh, in, um, in difficulty here with, with my questions because I know this is a developing story, but does this in any way cause any difficulty for the Assembly of First Nations going forward?
1: Uh, Thank you, Roy. As one chief in this country, and and I'm CAUSA's First Nation elected chief, we rely on the AFN to be our national and international advocate. Realistically, I don't believe there's a job description for a chief in this country. I manage poverty, Roy, and and it is not an easy task. My council that I'm elected with, my community and my nation, we're trying to heal. And it really puts pressure on me as a chief to try to focus on a national international Many years ago, we had a, a national chief uh, named Sean Atleo. Uh, Sean Atleo was uh, removed, be uh, due to a breach of the charter. Um, we moved on uh, after that. Uh, we eventually got to Perry Bellegarde, who just recently uh, did not rerun, and um, now we have our, um, our now national chief. So. Uh, Roy, I, I'm optimistic as a chief. I need the AFN and I do, you know, keep my ear to the ground on this one to make sure that the charters followed and that respect is, is amongst everybody.
0: Thank you, Chief, for answering that. You and I talked about doing this interview some weeks ago and then I had a vacation and you had a bit of a vacation and so we have the opportunity to talk about these issues. Let me start with, uh, and you know the things I want to talk to you about, I want to go back to this issue of residential schools, and we hear the term residential schools far too frequently because these weren't schools where children went to learn, as kids do across Canada on a daily basis. These locations, they served a very different purpose, and I think using the word school is just wrong. Would would you please speak, Chief, to the reality of the damage these so-called schools did and continue to do? to generations of Indigenous children and families at Cowess's First Nation and across First Nations nationally. Uh,
1: thank you, Roy. Um, the, the unmarked grave, there's 130 residential schools in this country. We have validated 25 so far. We're on this journey for a while as Canadians and First Nations people. What did residential schools do? And, you know, if anybody's a residential school survivor, you know, you are my hero listening. And I I, I do my role as a chief to show you that reconciliation can happen uh, as well. And so, Roy, this is what happened in residential school. We use the word intergenerational trauma. And I need a minute here, Roy. I'm going to explain it in the quickest way possible. My great-great-grandmother, her name was Gracie, never attended a residential school. Born in ni- 1870. Gracie had my great-grandmother, Maggie. This is my maternal lineage. Maggie was born in 1900. Our Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees every Canadian will have vertical lineage where mom will teach daughter, daughter will teach granddaughter. That's what makes us great in this country as a G7 country. Unfortunately, that didn't happen for Indigenous people for up to five generations. My great-grandmother attended the Round Lake Indian Industrial School. She should have had vertical lineage from her, her mom, Gracie's teachings. She didn't. She went into horizontal survival mode. The, the sexual, physical, mental abuse was real. Uh, Maggie had Evelyn, my grandmother, second generation in my maternal side, horizontal survival mode. She didn't get her mom and her grandma's teachings. My mother, Charlotte, should have got her mom and grandma's vertical lineage teachings. That's what this country promises. But my mom didn't. My mom went into third generation horizontal survival mode. Roy, my mother had me. I never attended a residential school. My mom had to figure out her locus of control, her anger, frustration, the pain of what she endured while trying to raise a young man in this country along with my siblings. Roy, I am pleased to share that my five year old daughter and my mom are vertical lineages back. In this country, Roy, there are over a million Indigenous people affected by residential school. Some are vertical lineage. I praise them, I thank them. Some are 45-degree angle. They're getting stronger. Some are still 100% horizontal survival mode. Roy, that is the impact residential school has done to many Indigenous people in this country.
0: Yeah. You know, when you talk about vertical lineage, it's something we all count on. We all count on having the relationship that, uh, that 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 goes back, and we can trace it, and and we can and we can uh, have it serve our families um, moving forward. But, Chief, you mentioned um, the the mass um, unmarked grave sites, and again, you and I communicated about this some weeks ago but I'm so glad we can have this conversation. When it comes to the unmarked grave sites discovered by ground radar in the last year plus, and at Cowess's First Nation near the former Marival Residential School, you reminded during a news conference last year that the site was part of a Roman Catholic cemetery. So the question, I had received lots of emails from listeners who who ask me questions I can't answer. How should ground radar discovery of unmarked grave sites be understood and And why did First Nations engage ground radar?
1: thank you roy i I can only speak to Maryville and as a chief. I'm an elected chief and spokesperson, so i I speak of of the now. Uh, the knowledge keepers, elders, seniors um, did confirm we will never dig. We will do our best at the surface radar ground radar penetration is the uh, most advanced approach and what it does is it ultimately, it takes uh, disturbed soil 100 to 150 years ago, and it, it, it comes up in, in, um, in pattern. And so when cows hit 751, I just wanted to, you know, validate again, Roy and everybody, that these are not all children. Um, the Maryville um, Roman Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church at the time at Maryville, they dictated and chose who could and could not be buried in that in that site. In 1960, the priest of the day um, got a uh, upset and uh, had the the top of the soil, the headstones, pushed away. So that's what makes us have unmarked graves today. We do know there are children there, and we also know that there's an area where if you weren't baptized, you weren't allowed to be buried in the church. So even First Nations from Cows, who that was their reserve, weren't allowed to be buried, or their children uh, weren't allowed to be buried. So we found an area where the unbaptized as well. So, Roy, it it has been a journey um, that to the right now, I'm getting told, you know, within no more visitors to causes, no more, uh, just let us heal. And, you know, Canadians want to know more. They want to come and visit. And I praise and I thank many, but at the same time, survivors, it's very painful, even though it's been one year.
0: Yes. Has the issue of unmarked grave sites been reported on responsibly?
1: Uh, Thank you, Roy. I I really enjoy a couple things, and then I'll bring my criticism as well. Um, The the funding. It's not cheap. It it is very expensive. And that machine, um, First Nations don't own that machine. So we're making sure it's not a business. It's not like an economic spinoff for somebody who could buy one on eBay and just say that they uh, can do this. So we're we're trying to help each other. So that's the number one. The second part is the data. You need a data system that supports it. First Nations don't own this data system. So we're relying, CAUSES relies on SAS Polytechnic, a higher learning institution in Saskatchewan, and we really like our relationship. And then lastly, the federal government has funded it. Um, Minister Miller's office and Crown Relations has been very good to work with in this perspective. Um, they didn't come in and dictate. They didn't come in and give goalposts. They just said, what do you need? And they're accountable to the investment they're making. I'm not trying to say they're just handing over a check. We do have to do our reporting in that. And then lastly, the challenge has been is um, do we have enough internal on houses to address this? Is there enough people to to do this? It's it's a real tough one. the the research part going into the Roman Catholic records, um, they're not all in file, but they are open to us in there, and so that's very good. So it, it's it's kind of like fishing once in a while in the in the records itself, trying to the reason we're in the records is getting names to unmark rate.
0: Chief, um, I ask you this question knowing that there are many Indigenous communities without even clean water in this country. So, uh, approaching the relationship that exists between First Nations and mainstream Canada, is there a more positive relationship developing? Are you seeing evidence of that?
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you, Roy. We have to depoliticize the relationship Canada has with, with First Nations people. I, um, you know, when when the Harper government was in, um, I wasn't a chief at the time, Roy, but I, I was close enough in politics to understand. It was a challenge. It was a challenge. Th- this current, uh, the Justin Prime Minister Justin Trudeau government. Uh being a chief, uh, when I need to talk to somebody and when we had a boil water advisory and we had the solution, uh it, it was it was it was addressed. I felt it was addressed. One day, you know, the liberal Justin Trudeau government is not going to be in. What is that government going to do? Roy, the reason that First Nations have all these boil water advisories is it's just too political. And we have to somehow approach it to just understand that each, each nation in different region has a different uh, challenge to boil water advisories, to intergenerational trauma, to relationship with their neighboring cities and towns. And we have to start allowing and opening up our minds to understanding First Nations are rights holders. And give you an example, Roy. CAUSIS, we have jurisdiction over our children in care right now. Uh, We're the one in Canada that has exercised Canada's Bill C-92, which CAUSIS we call our Mio Pima Act. And Roy, like just to depoliticize that, we have uh, no children in care on our reserve. We're giving elders respite who are looking after their grandkids. Um, we're addressing many different er- areas within it. That is an example, Roy, of how in this country, the more that we depoliticize and empower, the more that the First Nation chief and council and nation and community will have the solution. Right now, too much comes in with cookie-cutter solutions. It worked in Abidwakiskat. Maybe they'll work in Fishing Lake. Maybe it will work in Six Nations. No, it doesn't work like that, Roy. That would be my comment there, Roy.
0: Okay, Chief, the final question I have for you, and I think this is, I hope this is a, an important question. The, the entire experience of the residential schools even being broadcast or being written or, or talked about, uh, to, to be repeatedly reminded about this reality, even with the Pope coming to Canada, how is uh, how is to be reminded about residential schools on a regular basis? How does that affect survivors and their families?
1: It, it is um, it, it is a uh, challenge. Roy um, had my strongest uh, advisors, elders in the last year since Kamloops, Maryville, and many that have broken down. Um, it, it has created a a gap of inequality within my nation. Uh, in the last year but at the same time it has showed us where we must build from within you know we are starting to understand on cows is no one's coming to help us we got to figure out how to help ourselves it's for our children and children need on board here's the challenge Roy, and i'm going to take a minute to explain it and i know we're just about done where the challenge lies is it's validation indigenous people have known this the challenge is, is when our canadian friends and family going to truly put their shield down and let's just not use this moment there's still ignorance and accidental racism of the truth and what happened roy is i'll use the generations and i've said this on the show before baby boomer generation absolutely love our baby boomer generation but what did they learn of the truth of indigenous people the the answer is is they learned from the hollywood movies what did generation x learn of indigenous people The truth is, is the white paper was the best solution during Generation X's time in school. What did Generation Y learn? Well, we learned that, I'm a Generation Y, Roy. We learned that treaties happened, but somehow uh, First Nations agreed to give up the land. Uh, Residential schools in Indianapolis were somehow a part of the treaties. And lastly, we're overpowering our millennials and our Generation Z today with the truth. The challenge remains, Roy, is there's no mandatory Indigenous Studies class coming to the prior generation so we still as canadians have to put down our accidental racism and our ignorance and realize that we were taught the truth that's when survivors are going to use this moment up unmarked our graves to say canadians you truly are getting it this time that is the solution
0: if you want to hear more subscribe to the roy green show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you find your favorites